Hey, it's James from Royal Credit Union's Money Donuts podcast. We're talking about a word that scares a lot of people. It's fraud. This individual, they were bombarding that phone so much that the person got a new phone number. There was a note, a sticky note on the outside of their door saying, what is your new phone number? What? So they hired, the scammer hired someone on Craigslist to place that note there. Listen to Money Donuts on your favorite podcast platform or watch full videos at rcu.org podcast. Should the Minnesota Wild bring back Victor Rask to be the number one center? The rotation and debate continues on who should play in the middle with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello, and Kirsten and I have some thoughts. We also share our thoughts on the goaltending tandem, all aboard the Gus bus, and Duck's stream host and content producer Alexis Downey joins to talk about how her squad is doing in the tank for better chase. As always, we're created by New Voice Studios, presented by Soda Stick, brought to you by Talk North, Grain Belt, Jim Beam, and Royal Credit Union. This is Season 4, Episode 163. Celebrate your favorite Minnesota sports teams and moments with SodaStick.com. Relive the Met Center chairs, the Metrodome push, and so much more with unique and quality garb found only at Soda Stick. Don't forget to add code BARDOWNBEAUTIES at checkout for 15% off all of your purchases. At Jim Beam, they know the importance of tradition. Like chanting, let's play hockey prior to the start of each game or playing the state of hockey anthem after a wild win. This season, raise one to your fan family with the bourbon that invites us all to come as friends and leave as family. Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey, the official bourbon whiskey partner of the Minnesota Wild and XL Energy Center. Drink smart, Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2021, James B. Beam Distilling Company, Incorporated, Fairmont, Kentucky. Hello, everybody. What's up? We're back. Episode 163, I think, right, Kirsten? I, For whatever reason, numbers have been really particularly hard this year. 163 sounds right. Although at this point in the season, I agree, everything's just becoming a blur. And Every, yeah, you kind of forget the day of the week, too, when you get mm-hmm. this to this point. This is true. It's not important. The Minnesota Wild, again, on this huge homestand, we're recording this on a Sunday Actually, Super Bowl Sunday to be specific. So the Minnesota Wild coming off a victory, which snapped that three-game losing skid. Uh, but they're back in action Monday, and they're back in action on Wednesday, and then they're back in action Friday, right? Yeah, like constant. Yes. Just round three, three big games this week. Round the clock, Kirsten. The way that the Minnesota Wild are performing again, they had the losing streak. That ended in overtime against the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. Has that changed your mind at all about how the Minnesota Wild need to approach the trade deadline? And we're probably going to talk about trade deadline all the way up until the trade deadline because things will be kind of fluid through then. But like I'm wondering, I know before we had discussed, like obviously Matt Dumba, big name, Jordan Greenway's been tossed out there. I'm okay with a Marco Rossi consideration. Uh, but my opinion certainly has changed with the way the Wild have played has yours. It's hard to say because, I mean, the Wild, they're still in the race for the playoffs. I think as we're recording, they're still in a wild card position. Um, But obviously, with that losing skid that they've been on, it's been, it hasn't helped them out really at all. So I think you, obviously, you don't want to lose. You still want to try your best to make that postseason. Minnesota fans, they want to be in the postseason too. And in years, it's been something we've become accustomed to that the Wild are always in that postseason. I know at the start of the year, we said that they're going to be a bubble team. I think still they're going to be a bubble team at best. This week, this upcoming schedule, it's not going to be easy for them. I was surprised to see them beat the devils in a shootout. To be quite honest, I thought it was going to be a blowout by New Jersey. Um, So I was very pleasantly surprised to see that it wasn't, but as far as trade deadline goes, I still want to see Rossi down in Iowa. I think I would still like to see him down there, especially, I don't think it's fair to pull him up here when the wild are still struggling as much as they are. Mm -hmm. And I don't like the idea of getting a rental because I think that's risky because what are you getting a rental for at this point in the season? Cause the team just needs to figure it out. So I think any future move, any moves that you make at this trade deadline, they need to be future moves looking ahead. So that is my take on that. Do you want moves? Like, do you want Bill Guerin to go out there and do something or like, cause my opinion is now 
I, and not that I've ever been like a huge sell, 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 or go out and get somebody, but watching the way that this team has performed as of late and even pretty much throughout the season, how there's just been no consistency to their game and how they're still struggling to find this team identity, something that we have identified Kirsten as they're this gritty grinding team. And they're now at, you know, game 50 or whatever it is at this point, they still don't understand that. So that all being said, I don't even really need or want Bill Guerin to do anything because this team is not a contender. It is not a team that's going to make a run. It's not a team that's one piece away or two pieces away. I mean, it's much deeper than that. I mean, if you can get something for Matt Dumba, knowing that the likelihood of him not being here next year is pretty high, if not almost guaranteed, sure, go for it. Um, That's not going to bother me any, but I don't think you need to get rid of him either to make this team better at all. And I don't think there's anybody out there that is going to make this team drastically better. I think they are what they are. I think you said it right, Chris, and they are still a bubble team, but yeah, I'm kind of like, let's just go through deadline and not really do much because there's not much that's going to impact the team enough to make me have bigger faith that this team will get out of the first round. If they even do make it to the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I would agree in the sense that I don't, the team is what it is this season. And I mean, I think like I had mentioned, everyone has gotten so accustomed to the wild being in that postseason, having a very promising regular season. Um, but this year it's different. And I think everyone expected that with the cap strain that we have been dealing with here with Minnesota. So I do disagree in the sense that I think a trade needs to be made just to shake things up get maybe, maybe a wake up call, if you will, or maybe even two, I think this team maybe has just gotten too complacent. So I think in order to get out of that, you need to make some sort of move. So I think Bill Guerin, just knowing him, he's got that winner's mentality all the time, even though realistically he might also be thinking we are what we are this season, but I think some move will be made. I don't know exactly what it is. I kind of just, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Greenway was in a package somewhere at some sort of trade deadline, obviously Dumba, if there's a team willing to take his contract, but I I agree with you in the sense too, that this team just is what it is. I don't think that there needs to be an urgent move at the trade deadline, but things I can guarantee will probably get very shaken up in the off season. If Mm -hmm. nothing happens at the deadline. I mean, I would like to see if you need to move things around or you need to get things up and, you know, kudos to Dean for finally not being married to his lines and making some changes in the Saturday game, which probably prompted a little bit of the win, but I would rather see a couple of recalls. And again, not necessarily Mark Rossi, Sammy Walker, Adam Beckman had a hat trick the other night too. We actually will have Sammy Walker on next week's episode, whether he's with Minnesota or Iowa, we'll find out then, but I would like to see it in that realm. Like I think that youthful injection plus it internalizes that competition again like if you bring up a Sammy Walker or a Marco Rossi you need Ryan Hartman and Mason Shaw and Duhame and Dewar and all those guys to really be on their toes a little bit to be performing the best because that's the only way you're going to play again it doesn't matter who you are Dean has made that clear that if you are performing to the point where you are hurting this team that uh you will not play so I'm curious to see it'll be an interesting next couple weeks again We'll see what happens. I also, Kirsten, am curious to see what will happen in the goaltending situation because you know me, always got keen eye on those goalies. It's funny. Uh, Dylan, who works in the PR department with the Minnesota Wild, was coming for me because Soda Stick is working on a Philip Gustafson t-shirt, hopping on the Gus bus. And I have been all aboard the Gus bus ever since I made my public apology. I have been all aboard. Yes. Before coming into the year, I said he was a bona fide backup goaltender. And I think everybody agreed with me in saying that. And now I'm all aboard and Dylan's like, wow, they write movies about this stuff. You're all ready to get a shirt after you absolutely wrote this kid off. Yada, yada. Uh, that being said, Kirsten, Gustafson has played incredibly well. And for a while, Minnesota did the rotation of going back between him and Flurry, him and Flurry. And then Flurry kind of took over a little bit. Now he had a very bad game against the Vegas Golden Knights, one that you saw him uh, leave after just two periods after allowing five goals. Uh, Philip Gustafson stops all eight he faces, then obviously gets the victory uh, against New Jersey, the New Jersey Devils. Do you think that Philip Gustafson is showing himself, improving himself to maybe take the reins and be 
a little bit more of a starter and see more consecutive starts here. Uh, even though, you know, again, we know what Marc-Andre Fleury can bring. I think everybody is still very snake bitten by what happened with uh, Fleury and Cam Talbot in the playoffs last year. So I think everybody assumes Fleury will take control, but it's hard to deny what Gustafson has done and how he's proven himself to earn this, that opportunity. Should Dean agree? I don't know. What do you think? I think he's a hundred percent earned it. I mean, even in that game, I'm saying it, bringing it up again because it's most recent, but just seeing him in the crease against the devils, like he was, he was arguably the reason that the wild really stuck in it. So I think he's definitely just continued to grow and develop as the season's gone on. Obviously, a very rough start to the year, but to where he is now, it is completely night and day. I think he de- he definitely has earned it. And on the flip side, too, I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury, I'm going to say this to start this off, he has nothing left to prove. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously a Hall of Fame career, but I don't think this season especially, defense granted hasn't helped him out. But I don't think we're seeing the Marc-Andre Fleury that we all know and we know what he can do. So I don't know if that is just more decline defense. Um, Maybe this is a hot take. Will he be in Minnesota at the end of the season? I don't know. I think if he's not in Minnesota, it's because he chooses to walk away. Potentially, could we see him retiring sometime soon? I think that's also a question getting to this point in Flurry's career. Cause like I said, he has nothing left to prove. And this has been a very hard year, not only just seeing him struggle a little bit more than we're used to on the ice, but also I think mentally he hasn't been that same mentally tough player. And maybe that's outside circumstances. I don't know. All I know is that just, it's not vintage Mark Andre Flurry. Granted, he still has spurts where he shows the again the flurry we're used to but I think at this point Gus has definitely earned that number one spot certainly don't need to be throwing your paddle to center ice after allowing a goal now I will say I don't think flurry has been terrible by any stretch of the imagination I mean that Vegas game the whole team top to bottom looked awful and a couple of those flurry was hung out to dry I mean that leads to the fact that the Minnesota wild for that three game losing streak. And anytime they do feel like they're getting behind, they start to cheat. They start to pinch up and they are causing this, uh, these egregious turnovers that lead to these odd man rushes and naturally a goal because that is designed for the offense to score. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that Gus getting a start over flurry is indicative of flurry playing incredibly poorly. I just think Gus has earned the opportunity to play well. Like I will go back to, I know, folks that have been longtime listeners, I was not super high on Cam Talbot, not like everybody else was, because to me, Cam Talbot was a part of a team that was winning games. Now, on in this instance, um, Philip Gustafson is winning games. He is the reason. I mean, he doesn't make that save in overtime. That's a New Jersey victory last night. I mean, there are so many instances I can point to this season where he is a reason that Minnesota has won, which again, deserves to give him that opportunity to be a starter. Now you look back at Cam Talbot when he was playing quote unquote well, and he was playing fine. And the team he had in front of him was very, very different. That's why it didn't bother me that Marc-Andre Fleury got the start over him because it's not like Cam had done anything. Whereas in this instance, I think Gus has. So I'm curious to see what happens as we'd mentioned, the wild schedule is tight. It's every other night. I mean, there's very few time for practices. And obviously it's a time that you're lucky to have two very capable, solid goaltenders. So, I mean, I'm not going to be upset if Gus doesn't get the next start, but I think he for sure deserves a shot. And they're going to be tough challenges. You've got Florida, you've got Dallas, you've got a handful of other teams. And at a point of the season where two points mean absolutely everything, Kirsten. Yeah. Like they... They they have to hit the gas running each and every night coming up because this week's schedule, just specifically looking at it, it's going to be tough. I mean, you're taking on Dallas at home. Granted, when they were in Dallas last week, they were playing playing toe-in-toe with them, keeping in, themselves in the game. But I don't know. It's I don't even know what to say at this point because it's just they're consistently inconsistent, which has been a theme. And games potentially that they should lose they end up sticking it out but then there's games like Arizona where you think that's going to be a no-brainer and they just get blown out so I really don't know what to expect from these guys but I'm just really hoping that they can take advantage of this homestand two games in five games left in the homestand so 
especially the month of February. It's like every other day, the wild are literally playing at home. So I'm just hoping that they can pull something out of that and get themselves solidified. Yeah. I don't like losing, writing, losing stories every other night or going into a losing locker room. That's probably not very, I see. I don't do that. I will go to the visitor's room and they're all jubilation and it's all great. And I'm like, yeah, that felt good. Right. And I can hear down the other room that the wild are just pissing and moaning. And it's, it's something. Do you think that Chad will make an appearance at one of these games? Because there is a correlation between the streak winning, you dressing up as a Chad. Please explain to those that are unfamiliar with what a Chad is. I actually do know what a Chad or Brad is. I think Brad is also an acceptable, right? Chad and Brad. Um, Yeah, Chad and Brad kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Chad is that guy, stereotypically, just looks wise, a Chad can take on many forms, but usually in the summer found wearing chubbies, um, five inch seam shorts. How's a, a chubby? Like short shorts. Like I think chubbies are like more like swim trunks that are like oh, five inch okay. seam, five inch seam shorts. Um, so they show a lot of thighs. <laughs> um, backwards cap, sunglasses. Typically, like working out when it's not like an appropriate time to work out. Very concerned about mm. their image. So this is all like stereotypical, but also just kind of an a hole. Mm. So that is a Chad. Okay. Yeah. So be on the lookout for Chad at the XL Energy Center, potentially a time or two. I need to see it just once. Just whip it I, I think like, that what is can, this girl doing? I think that can be made. We can make an arrangement for that. So basically the Chads are the teams that nobody likes in the NHL. Now this team, Anaheim Ducks, I don't think people don't dislike them. They're just not very good. As much as I have a strong affinity for Trevor Zegras and mm, John Gibson, I absolutely love that. And I'm going to love watching Connor Bedard there with them next year. Uh, We wanted to learn a little bit more about them as well as learn a little bit more about Alexis Downey. Uh, She joins us in the next segment to talk about Anaheim. I was sick. So Kirsten crushed this episode or this interview all on her own. Kirsten, what else did you guys talk about? I'm guessing Taylor Swift. Um, Taylor Swift was briefly brought up in the conversation, um, but we talked about a lot. Just we talked about Duck Stream. She is the host and content producer for that stream. Um, but yeah, you'll have to find out some Bachelor conversation. Mm. Trevor Zegras, of course. Yes, so yeah, have to listen. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Alexis Downey. But before we get to that, let's hear our Let's Play Hockey High School Hockey Report. Sure, everyone gets up for Super Bowl Sunday. For those who can get their hand on a very overpriced ticket, it's the hottest sports game in town. But hockey fans in the state of hockey know the real best ticket to grab is the one for the boys section playoff boys high school hockey's regular season winds down this week with sections about to kick off. Here is let's play hockey's double a section boys preview one double a Lakeville South and Rochester Mayo have almost identical records, but Lakeville South plays a much tougher schedule. So we are giving the nod to them, but watch out for Lakeville North who, despite just nine wins, always comes out on top when they play South. You can throw it all out the window because you know that will be a close game. If they knock off Mayo, it could be an all Lakeville final as usual. South has beat North twice this year, four to two and four rip over in two double a arguably the best section along with six double a that is loaded with talent. You got to go with Minnetonka here because they have just, just two losses while playing a very tough schedule. They are coming off a one zero win over Edina who's in section six, a six double a and Chan Hassan, Holy family and Eden Prairie will pose as difficult opponents. Chan Hassan is one of two teams to hand the skippers a loss. The other is YZ again, a six double a squad. This section is a must-see if you love live playoff hockey. 3AA, again, there are four teams who wouldn't make anyone shrug if they made the state tournament. St. Thomas Academy is a front-runner, but Creighton Durham Hall has been hanging in the top 10 for most of the year in the rankings. Both those teams have hovered in the same spots and have split their season series, both by 4-2 to two scores. And one can't count out Eastview or Rosemount, Rosemount seems to have turned a big corner and is playing extremely well. They defeated Eastview last week, but Eastview has been a top 20 team all season. And with the parity in boys double A hockey being top 10 doesn't really hold much bearing on a night to night basis. Over in four double A, Hill Murray has come on strong as of late and could potentially win the section despite a 500 record. 
But this might be White Bear Lake's year. The Bears will want to avenge the loss on Hockey Day Minnesota, and it's one of the best rivalries. For fans' sake, hopefully these two teams do meet in the section finals as they, as they have done so many times before. But there's also Stillwater and Gentry Academy lurking, who just as easily could be hoisting the section championship trophy. In 5AA, again, four teams will vie for the section title. Maple Grove is the front runner, but Centennial, Rogers, and Champlain Park have all proved to make a case in this section. The Crimson from Maple Grove have lost to all three teams, making this section altogether a toss-up. In 6AA, Edina has merged as number two in our rankings and fought a hard battle against top-ranked Minnetonka. The good news is Edina won't have to face Tonka in the playoffs but they will likely have to face Wyzetta, who has held the top rankings of se- for several weeks. Benilde St. Margaret's has two losses to Class A teams in the last two weeks, but those teams, Matamita and Hermantown, play much of a double-A schedule. Benilde will be right there at the end, and all three of the top teams have 16 wins. Over in 7-double-A, it appeared that this was absolutely Andover's only, but Duluth East may be one of the top double-A teams since the turn of the year. They are 11-1-1 since January 1st and will be a force come playoff time, certainly giving Andover a run for their money. And to wrap things up, over an 8-AA Moorhead and Rozo. Who doesn't have a who doesn't love a northern clash? And these two teams are the front runners. Sartell St. St. Stephen had a nice year, but are they enough to compete with these storied programs? We'll see. Like every year, time will tell who really don- dominates. Don't be caught off guard by upsets and surprises. That's what makes this so great, you guys. Like the millions of people voting on the Super Bowl coin toss, most of these section finals truly are a toss-up, which is what makes section hockey the best in the state of hockey. So flip a coin, high school hockey fans. This one is up for grabs. That's our Let's Play Hockey High School Hockey Update. Joining me now is Alexis Downey of the Anaheim Ducks, the host and content producer for Duckstream. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Uh, We've had really beautiful weather here this week in Southern California, like 70s, upper 70s. It's felt like summertime. It's been beautiful, but I've been in an office for the most part this week, so I haven't really gotten to enjoy it yet. (laughs) I would be mad at you for saying that if it wasn't 40 degrees and sunny in Minnesota this week. (laughs) So I'm going to let that one pass. But speaking of, you're out in Anaheim. You made the move actually before this season started from Chicago where you were working at Stadium So if you want, can you just take a minute to walk us through that journey and then arriving in Anaheim and how it's been so far? Yeah, it's really been a whirlwind for me. I mean, I feel like still sometimes it hits me like I really live in California. And one of those moments recently was when I finally got my license and changed over my car. So I'm now officially a California resident. I was supposed to have done that like five months ago, but it's okay. Uh, Yeah, so it, it started and in June or so, right around the Stanley Cup, um, the opportunity here in Anaheim opened up and I was interested. I always wanted to be with an NHL team solely instead of just covering the league from the generalized side that I was covering it. And um, it seemed like a really unique opportunity to kind of start this podcast type network and um, got really lucky and got the job here in Anaheim. And a lot of logistics and moving, as anyone that has moved knows. Um, it, I, it was about a month turnaround. I moved out to California. My parents helped me. And then I started work at the end of the month once I got here. And uh, since then, I just feel like it's been go, go, go. We launched a stream back in September, Duck Stream. 10 different shows on it, our radio broadcast on it. Um, it's been a really big learning experience for me in this first season. They always say that is in your your rookie year in the NHL. And I just feel like time management, schedule management, and making time for yourself has been something I've really learned a lot in this first season. But I absolutely love it out here. The people in Anaheim are amazing. And that was one thing that I had heard before I took the position that the people that work at the Ducks are just really great. And that's been my experience. And uh, I feel really lucky to be in a position, especially as a woman, a voice for an NHL team. It makes me feel very lucky to be where I'm at now. And you mentioned it. You talked about Duckstream and starting that platform being somebody who has really contributed a lot this season to get it going. So talk a little bit more about that and what it all entails and kind of what your day-to-day looks like doing that. 
So yeah, every week is different. It kind of depends what shows we're targeting for the week. If the team's on the road, or if they're at home. Uh, for me, I have Light the Lamp three days a week, the flagship show. So that's very consistent each week. And that will be a lot of guest booking. And I have help with my producer, Steph. He helps me with that. Um, and then just really paying attention to everything else that's going on around the league, because that isn't just a duck show. It's an all NHL show that you were also a part of at one point this season too. Uh, so beyond that, though, we have a show this, about the San Diego Gulls, our American League affiliate that we do each week as well. So those are the two consistent ones that I'm a part of each week. But then we also have a player show that we try to book out whenever they're home. Um, we have a alumni show that we've had a lot of amazing alumni on, too. I feel like we've been getting a lot of those done recently as well. Um, I have a GM show and I have a coaches show. Haven't done as many episodes with those, but if there is one of those during the week, um, that takes a bit of planning as well, too. So I feel like every day is just kind of planning out what the next episode is going to be and then planning all the content for that episode as well. Light the Lamp definitely takes up the majority of my time. Um, but then also on game days, like today, I have uh, the pregame report that I do that runs in our arena as well. And then some other just miscellaneous things. So I feel like I'm always interviewing people. So it's kind of funny to be interviewed right now. <laughs> it's always hard when you are the one being interviewed. Like even when you asked me to come on Light the Lamp, <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, I've talked to Alexis so many times. I mean, we used to have a little show that we did together. Mm. And I was like, this just feels so weird to be on the other side. <laughs> like it makes you feel for the players you interview. Cause it's like, I feel mm. like I'm being so awkward. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. Yeah. It's, it's weird to transition yourself into that. Yeah, it definitely is. But even backtracking a little bit, you mentioned having a GM show and coaches show you haven't done as many episodes as you would have liked so far, but was that kind of intimidating stepping into that just kind of as a new face and talking to these very high profile members of the organization? To be honest, the first time I interviewed Pat Verbeek, our GM, I was so nervous, like going into it. I, I don't know what it was. I just was like, I, he's new to the organization because he joined towards the end of last season, middle to end of last season. And this was his, this is his first full year. So, and I just heard he's just a very serious guy, just straight to the point hockey guy. I was really excited to meet him, but yes, I was very intimidated, very nervous, but now I feel like I have a good relationship with them. Same with uh, my interview uh, with Dallas Aikens, our head coach too. That one, I felt like I kind of was a little more relaxed heading into it because the coaching staff, you see them around a lot more necessarily than the general manager and uh, that side of the business operations. So uh, definitely some nerves in both of them, but I feel like now I've gotten a little bit more settled. Definitely. And besides just that, I mean, I've seen some of the guests that you've had on most notably the current bachelor. And I know you're a bachelor <laughs> fan too. So how was that having Zach on duck stream and how did that come to fruition? Cause I know he was at the game that same week that you had the podcast out too. Yeah. So Zach is from Anaheim Hills out here in Anaheim and his good friend, Matt Weller is a part of our digital department. And Matt said, Hey, I, uh, I know the guy that's going to be the new bachelor. And I said, Oh my gosh, we have to have him on duck stream. We can put him on ducks unfiltered, which is a show about people from around the community here in orange County. And, uh, it was just the perfect match. And <laughs> that's a very play on words. <laughs> but we had him here in studio and it was actually a couple of weeks before his episode debuted. I really wanted to get the episode out sooner than I did because it had a couple of details about the season, not too many that he's on, but um, yeah, it was great. We had him out for a game. His whole family came with him and honestly, very genuine guy. I I'm definitely a fan of him. I've been watching the season now, but that interview, I was actually very nervous for too, just being a fan of the show. More nervous to interview the ducks GM and head coach <laughs> or Zach from the bachelor. Um, they were pretty similar nerves, I think, to be honest. Maybe maybe Pat Verbeek, our GM, uh, but they were pretty similar nerves. Anyone that I talked to that day, I, I had my outfit picked out. I was like, this is this is what we're doing. I have my questions. Um, but once we got rolling in the interview, I felt like I was just talking to a friend. It was great. 
No, I love that. And I mean, you've had a number of very notable people on Light the Lamp. Is there a certain interview that you've done or somebody that you've gotten to speak to so far that has been just really memorable or special to you so far this season? Yeah, I feel like it's been awesome to learn the stories of a lot of media people from all around the NHL. I think that's one of the things that I've really tried to hone in on when I talk to people, um, especially because a lot of Ducks fans don't know the backgrounds of a lot of these people. Uh, I really enjoyed having Darren Pang on. He was here with a TNT broadcast crew, and I invited him in the studio, and we sat down, and he's just hilarious, such high energy. That interview to me was so much fun. Um, it it flew by and now I watch him and he's just still like, he's the same person on air as he is off air too. Um, so getting to know him was pretty cool. I feel like there's been just so many people that I've enjoyed chatting with. Um, obviously Doc Emmerich, another one that I was super excited for, someone that I've looked up to for a long time and his storytelling is just unmatched with anyone else. So that was one that I was really excited about too. Definitely. That's awesome. And it seems like every time I go on social media, I'm seeing something that you're posting or tagging in and <laughs> you're just, you're genuinely, you're killing it out there and you're only, oh, you're barely you. halfway through the season. <laughs> Most notably, you became the first female analyst between the benches in Ducks history to work a game. Like I said, between the benches as an analyst. So just talk about that experience. Cause it just, I saw it and I was like, I'm so proud of her. She's come Aww. so far genuinely living your dream. So for you, what was that like? It was a dream come true. Um, I wasn't nervous, oddly enough. I think that the organization made me feel comfortable and knowing how confident they were to put me in that position. The only thing everyone kept saying to me was watch your head, watch for pucks, watch for sticks. You're going to hear a lot while you're down there. Just it's going to be an eye-opening experience. And I think that was the best way to describe it. Um, I got down there and I just felt so giddy. Like it, it was just like Christmas morning for me the entire day. It was a really special night too, because it was our women in sports night. The first one that we've ever had here at the organization, we had a pregame networking event, a panel. So there was a lot of people that were in attendance for that game who are aspiring women that want to work in sports. And um, so that knowing that, that was a big part of the night made it even more special just thinking back on my journey and where I started and knowing that I always wanted to be in hockey and always wanted to be a broadcaster and then getting to that day it was just unbelievable and even the players like during warm-ups on the ice a couple of our guys skated up and gave me a fist bump and were like good luck like you're gonna kill it tonight it was it was really sweet uh but I felt like it didn't hit me until after the game when I was in my car and I was driving home. I got emotional. I really did. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. That whole night happened. Uh, but it was a great start to more, for more to come, hopefully. And it was so much fun. And just seeing things that you would never see anywhere else. Um, John Klingberg skated over to the side of the bench and had a bunch of pieces of jewelry in his hand. And it turned out one of the guys on the coyotes, his necklace had broken on the ice, which is definitely dangerous because if your skate hits that you're going down. Um, and he skated over and he's like, Hey guys, like whose necklace is this? It's all broken on the ice. And that's something you would never be able to see anywhere, but where I was. So now I understand why that position is so unique. And I actually had the chance to talk to AJ Malesko a little bit before the night. And she gave me a lot of great pointers. So that was also very helpful heading into the night. No, that was awesome. And like I said, there's so many people cheering you on and just happy to mm. see that happen for you. And I know that's just the beginning, but just to even talk a little bit more about that, it seems like the Ducks organization, they continue to come up with new ways to kind of elevate what they've been doing and just try new things such as doing that and really trusting you to do that. So to have that kind of team behind you that has their faith in you and allows you to do that how huge is that it's something that I've really wanted for a long time um my network of people have always been supportive you've been very supportive as a friend to me uh but to be within an organization and have that makes me feel like I can do the best at my job every day and I think that's something you really learn as you work in sports over the years is it's so important to be around people who bring 
you bring out the best side of you and lift you up and want you to succeed because it is such a competitive industry and it's everything to be able to have that support. Um, it's something, like I said, I just, I always hoped for, and I always wanted because it's such a grind in those early years and just figuring out what you want, the direction, direction you want to go and uh, to get to where I'm at now and to have this support system here. It's, it's been so amazing for me. It's, it's really like a breath of fresh air sometimes. And, uh, you know, on another note too, just kind of looking more on the team as a whole, it has a lot of youth to it. And it seems like the ducks as an organization had, are just a team that has fun. And especially, I think that came about when Trevor Zegris joined the organization. So even that, I mean, there was a video that went viral recently of Zegris on the bench singing Taylor Swift and everything. <laughs> so just, just the vibe on the team. And as you've gotten to know the guys, what's it been like? They are a young and fun group. Uh, that's one of the things that I do like about this team is they're just really nice guys. And I don't think that's something that every team can say they have, whether they would say that or not, but we're really lucky here that they get along well, they're friends. It's, it's that family atmosphere in the locker room. Even the older guys that have been around for years are chatting with the younger guys. And there's just a lot of camaraderie uh, between everyone. So like, for example, we're having a players, uh, the players lounge episode that's coming up next. I guess this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but we're having Trevor Zegris and Mason McTavish are two young guys, but they're going to be paired with John Gibson, a guy that's been here forever, our goaltender. And when we ask guys, you know, who's someone that could really bring out a fun side of Z and McTavish, everyone said John Gibson. And it just was so surprising to me because he's probably one of the last people I would have thought of, but I guess he just balances them out really well. And uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out, but it's a good balance in the locker room. The guys are all really just nice to be around, even though it hasn't been a, you know, the season they wanted, but it was pretty much expected that this is a rebuild. This is how you have to go through growing pains. Um, it's, it's been good to be in the locker room. Definitely. And there you have it, folks. There's a little spoiler alert to look out <laughs> for from yes. the Anaheim Ducks. But you talked about it. You said this, you know, it's people expected it to be a rebuild season for the Ducks and obviously not what the team would like to see as far as results go on the ice. But something I've got to bring up that I've got to it's something that the people are buzzing about. That means the Ducks also could be in the mix for Connor Bedard. So, <laughs> I mean, if that came to be. That would be pretty cool. Definitely. I, uh, it's hard not to look ahead to that. Um, we have a lot of great young prospects that are already in our organization that we're really excited about. Um, so to think about how he could fit in with them, it's something we obviously can't ignore and it's getting closer and closer, you know, the, the draft lottery. Um, but again, we still have games on the ice we have to focus on, but it's certainly quite a buzz because Bedard is a generational talent and uh, he, whatever team he ends up on, will be very lucky to have him. Absolutely. And now another thing people might not know about you, you're an alum of Michigan state, Michigan state, <laughs> as we inch closer to college hockey postseason. currently, as of this Friday that we're recording ranked 14th in pairwise, you mentioned that big rivalry coming up with Michigan this weekend. Are you excited for the potential your boys have as they get closer <laughs> to the NCAA? I am. And, you know, they split with Michigan earlier this season. So I have full confidence in them, even though Michigan is outstanding this season. I mean, usually they are very good every season. Uh, Michigan State is definitely back on the map. And that's something that has been in the works since I was there. We were hoping to be back in the mix of Big Ten teams. And they've gone through so much change in the last couple of years, new head coaches, brand new facilities they just got done building at Mun Ice Arena. Um, I still stay in touch with my old boss in the office there and some of the people that work down um, in the ice Zamboni room and all that. Um, so it's it's special to see that the team is doing well this year. Um, I know the Big Ten in general is very competitive this season. There's, I think there's four or five, I think four teams, maybe five. Four, I believe in the top 15 right now in the big 10. Uh, so 
always just a very difficult um, conference, college hockey conference. But glad to see that Michigan State is finally getting some recognition and turning it around a little bit. For sure. Maybe they'll run into St. Cloud State come the postseason. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> That'd be wild. Been there, been there, done that with you. So we'll we'll see. Um, but one last thing that I want to say before we sign off, you possibly are the biggest Marc-Andre Fleury fan that I know. So I'm going to leave wild fans with that. If you want to, this is your moment to just talk about how much you love Fleury. Yes, wild fans, I, I've loved flurry for a very long time he is my favorite player in the nhl um i don't know how you can't like him he is just an amazing guy i've i've never met him unfortunately well i take that back i have met him but just like when i was younger and got his autograph so i haven't met him on a professional level um but i've only heard great things about him and i he's just an amazing person he's a great dad um his kids his family they're so so adorable um and i just I've always, I've watched his career since he's been in Pittsburgh, since he was in Pittsburgh back in the day. And like I said, he's just a likable guy. So you guys are very lucky to have my guy and um, I I hope you're treating him well. (laughs) Oh, don't you worry, especially with Bill Guerin. They go way back. He's very loved and taken care of here, but we'll, we'll do a trade-off. You introduce us to Trevor Zegras. We'll introduce you to Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay. I think I can make that happen. <laughs> we can definitely make that happen too. So take notes. We're going to, we're going to leave that here, but Alexis, <laughs> uh, you got a game to get to Pittsburgh is in town to take on the ducks tonight. So we'll get you going. But before we do, where can people find you and everything that you're doing with the ducks and duck stream? Yeah. So Duckstream is on Twitter at Duckstream. Uh, we are tweeting every day. We have content coming out all the time throughout the week. And then you can find me at Alexis Downey underscore on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of it. I'm the same username on all the platforms. And usually I reshare all my Ducks content on my page, as well as throw in some opinions, Taylor Swift related, NHL related, Michigan State. Those are usually the topics I'm talking about on my social media. <laughs> Well, Alexis, thank you again so much for coming on. It was great having you, and you're an official butte now. So, well, <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for having me. Shout out to Alexis for joining us. Hopefully, she can come through with a little Trevor Zegers connection, a little John Gibson connection. I don't know why. I will admit it, guys. I have a massive crush on John Gibson. Have you seen the hair? Like, just, I don't know. I respect you for it. I'm not judging you. I love Trevor Zegris because after I saw him on the bench singing to Taylor Swift that was playing in the arena, Mm. just a Swifty. It's that connection. It's like me and Jonas Brodeen, who I've never once spoken to in my life, but I know he's a Swifty. So therefore, like that took him from here to like, you can't even see how high I'm reaching. That's how high up he is a crucial part to the Minnesota defense. We'll save that for another episode because that's a whole episode in and of itself. Uh, We're going to wrap things up with a bow here on this week's episode, heading into our up for debate. Now, this has been a point of contention all season long, and we had to bring it up because it's another large point of contention. Who plays center on the top line with Kirill Kaprizov? Currently, Ryan Hartman for a couple games in a row has been that guy. But I wanted to know what you guys thought. I had Ryan Hartman as an option. I had Sam Steele as an option who, until as of late, had been playing there but has looked not very good in any position at all that he's been in. So he's kind of taken a fallback. And then I also tossed out Marco Rossi because I love to stir that pot. Uh, Kirsten, what do you think between those three, who would you like? And then I will allow you to get on your soapbox and speak your piece about who I know you want to be the number well, one. Well, I, I, first I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick because you purposely did not put Jewel Erickson neck just to spite me. No, no, that's hundred percent. Not true. The reason I did, I actually had him in there. I had to remake the graphic and reschedule it because all of a sudden they put Ryan Hartman there. And I was like, I can't have him be there and say that he doesn't and not be an option. I should have had Jules Erickson instead of Marco Rossi, probably. Mm-hmm. But again, Marco Rossi seemed more of a polarizing option for people. Uh, we'll resume this. My, just my, my decisions. We will resume this in a minute. Um, but I am going to say Ryan Hartman for the moment. If I have to pick one of these three, it'll be Ryan Hartman. He did score a goal last night. 
I didn't, you know, I don't know. Cause I'm still, you, I'm trying to think of why I can choose Ryan Hartman because it's not Jewel <laughs> I mean, Erickson. Cause you can't, that's fine. That's a, that's a completely logical reasoning. Well, not, he, it's not logical. It's a, it's a fair reason. Like it's because it's the best of the choices that you have there yeah. that aren't Jewel Erickson. Yes. Um, Sam Steele, I don't know where he fits, but I mean, yeah, it was time to change it up and move him away from that top line center spot. Marco Rossi, I want him to stay down in Iowa probably for the rest of the season. And that is not because I, I don't like, that like was gonna him. gonna go dramatic. I want him to stay in Iowa for the rest of his life. Like oh. I just for some reason felt like that was teeing up. For Can you something? imagine if I did say that? How many people would come for me for saying that? Yeah. No, I don't want to. I want to see him back up with the wild next season. But I just think going back to the conversation we had the, earlier in this episode, I don't think it's fair to bring him up right now with kind of how chaotic and inconsistent this team has been. I know a lot of people will disagree with me, but Ryan Hartman, I mean, I didn't hate him at top line center, especially last night. So I say keep him there for a little bit longer, but now back to my soapbox, Jewel Erickson Eck. Why have we not given him a shot? Move him to that top line. He has been a glue this season. One of the only forwards to actually score a goal since coming back from the break. So Jewel. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Hartman scored a goal too. So I said one of, I'm I didn't say the only. <laughs> I but like yeah, it's Jewel Erickson I think Zuki had a goal since coming back and then Hartman. I don't know that I know that. Am I missing anyone? Had, they've only had 25 on five goals in their past 16 games. Hasn't been great. Not great. It would change uh, if Jewel were on the top line. But. I would like to point out I didn't put my uh bid in the options either. I want to see Matt Boldy at center. I want it. I need it. You know, even further diving in, as I'd mentioned, I, you know, I know he hasn't played too much center, obviously, if at all, I don't believe uh, in the NHL, but he did do it for Team USA. And whenever he does have to get in there and do a face off, he wins the face off like 70% of the time, which is better than some of the centers that we currently have are doing. So I just I need to see it prove. I mean, show me it and then I'll be done. I'm going to tell Dean that like just put him in for one game. So I can see with my own two eyes that it doesn't work and then I will get off of it. But for right now, that would have been my choice. Um, yeah, given the options, you did sell me on keeping Marco Rossi away from the team because you're right. That's not and they only because he has the added pressure. Bringing up a Sammy Walker doesn't lead to the same amount of pressure that Marco Rossi has on performing. I don't think like Sammy Walker can go up and down all he wants. Marco Rossi can't he doesn't have that luxury being as high of a pick as he was so given that yeah I would say Ryan Hartman um you know it still isn't clicking like it did last year and I'm not expecting it to but Sam Steele has just been rough lately and again a lot of the team has that's not to single him out in particular it's just it's it was time to move on from him at that top line and demote him as they did um you know one person I didn't mention was Connor Dewar I do like Connor Dewar. I love the consistency he's brought to the game. I think he's been fantastic. I don't want him up there. I think maybe one or two people had said suggested that. And I understand it because he's deserving of like getting more playing time. But I really just, I like where he's at. I like that little line down there. Do you think that there's some sort of top line curse for why like no center can really thrive on that top line? (laughs) Or like even, not even thrive, just be able to just make a name or give a reason to stay there see but they do threat like you need somebody that doesn't have skill and I think I've mentioned and that sounds terrible like but you had Victor Rask at center and it worked because I think you the problem that lies with that top line in the skill set of Kaprizov and Zuccarello and we've talked about this a couple of times and even Dean has mentioned it they only look for each other so you need a center that's okay, not necessarily getting the mix. And I think why Ryan Hartman works really well there. And Victor Rask, even when you go back there where he had that success, they get in that gritty area for the rebound. They don't need to be skating around and they don't need to be moving. I think Sam Steele and Marco Rossi to a respect too, like they play a role that's more similar to what Zuccarello or Kaprizov do. Whereas Jules Eric's neck then to your point, Kirsten would probably fit in nicely there because he knows how to get his body down in those gritty areas. He can move through the slot, push some people around yada, yada, and get set up while Zuccarello and Kaprizov uh, tantalize on the outside. So I think that's it. I mean, I don't think it's a curse necessarily because 
again, you have players that have performed beyond what they should ever achieve. Brian Hartman uh, was a, a product of that last year, but I think it's just hard because you have two players with such exceptional skill who have this connection and chemistry and they sometimes play just a two man line. And so finding the right fit for that middle to me just seems to be more challenging than it probably should be, but it is, you know, what I'm getting from this conversation is Billy G re-sign Victor Rask. Let's bring him back up. He is the answer. <laughs> bring him back. He is the missing piece. Our top line center. He probably could get him for a really good deal as he well. Could probably get him for Matt Dumba. Probably. Maybe. Where is Victor's like over in Europe playing right now, isn't he? Probably. I know he went he to training answer camp with Columbus and he was, uh, he was centering their top line during training camp for a hot minute. We're like, what is this dude doing? I don't know what happened to Victor, but yeah, maybe we'll get him on the horn. We he deserved better. Victor Rask on the Bardown beauties. He deserved uh, better. Also, let's just blow it all up. Let's get Jonas Brodeen playing top line center. Let's blow it all 26, up. He had 26 minutes last or on Saturday. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So a uh, little unhinged, a little fun, a little all over the place this week. You guys, we are the bar down beauties, Jesse Pierce, Kirsten Kroll, producer Fred, not here as always slacking, but we made him work for this week's episode. So shout out to him. Shout out to talk North for featuring us on their network. Shout out to soda stick. Don't forget. You can use code bar down beauties to get 15% off all purchases. If you ordered bar down beauties merch, whether that was a shirt, a hat, a sweatshirt, or a Jersey, Send us some pictures. Show us what you got. Love to see it. Um, we'll be doing a new shoot model off some of the brand later on. We'll also probably be showing it off at our next Grain Belt Buttes Live, which is taking place down at Kelly's Pub in Red Wing on the 23rd of this month. Uh, looking forward to that. Somebody told me that Red Wing is not Southern Minnesota. Is that not true? Her Is that? I mean, you're a Southern Minnesota kid, right? Like Rochester's South. Southern. I would say Red Wing is Southern Minnesota because yeah. they're in the same conference as yeah. my high school and city's go. teams are absolutely like we play city's team sometimes but more specifically for hockey, mm-hmm. but Red Wing is like, I think part of the big nine conference. It feels I always south. have considered Red Wing Southern Minnesota feels south. So anyway, we will be out in Red Wing in Southern Minnesota again, seven to eight on the 23rd. Be sure to come hang out with us, uh, do a little dance, drink a little beer, all that good stuff, or have a nice glass of Jim Beam, another one of our sponsors. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. Also, final shout out to Royal Credit Union. Less fee, more free. You guys rock. Appreciate every single one of you. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, like, leave us a rating on YouTube, and also be sure to follow Let's Play Hockey for all the updates coming out of them. We will be at the Let's Play Hockey Expo uh, coming up during the boys tournament, which will be here before we know it. More details coming out on that on our social medias. Be sure to follow along. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.